You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Break it down, Dada. Break it down, oh, break it down. 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 Yeah. Welcome back to the show, Downers. My name's Matt. Break it down podcast here. Uh, we're doing a special episode today, and this is going to be really fun, I think. It's something new. It's a new idea. This is called the Band Breakdown. Now, when I started doing this podcast, I was going through tracks of the Emory record and talking about the chords and the notes and all the fun stuff that was in the recording that I think, you know, sometimes people don't realize goes into music and there's that much analysis to be done in a final two-track product, whereas I love to live in the multi-track and in the layered parts and in the composition and arrangement of music. That's really where my heart is. And uh, so I'll tell you what I'll do. This might be a little bit funny, but I'm going to give a quick little resume for myself. You may be a new uh, listener, just caught in some recent episodes where I'm just doing conversations with people on non-music related stuff. But I'm a music guy. My background, my expertise is in music and specifically analysis, arrangement, and composing is my uh it's probably the thing i'm the best at or most qualified to do there's a lot of people better at it than me but as far as me as an individual it's probably the most specific skill that i have i have a degree in music and music theory uh, i trained myself basically just by listening to pop music in my brain and figuring out what was going on then i went to college which i found quite easy to do the ear training and theory there because i had already kind of learned it or taught it to myself on my own um I then became a composer and arranger. My band Emory, we got about a. I've composed and arranged and have yeah probably a hundred something published songs, and we've sold you know over a half a million records. And then I got into engineering music and producing, and I've produced. Oh, dozens of albums as engineers, some as producers, and those combined have sold, you know, millions of records. And so that, you know, all those things are really way into my wheelhouse and really my hobby. And I don't do it that much anymore. When I started doing this podcast originally, if you go all the way back to episode one, you'll hear me breaking down the new Emory songs as we went through them uh, because it was really interesting. And I really wanted to share with people the processes and the arrangements and the technical stuff that went into making that music. And it turns out it was a big hit and people really really like that and so people have requested that a lot so that gives me the idea for this episode today so what we're gonna do here is a, it's a chance for me to get into the analysis again pull some clips talk about some technical stuff um, and also to generate some revenue if in case you notice I don't usually have uh, proper sponsorships and ads on this show but I think I'm actually going to in the coming weeks and months the show's been growing uh, rapidly and more and more every week so I do expect to have some sponsors on here officially in the near future so you know please congratulate me when that finally happens but I think this is a way to generate revenue so yes these bands have paid to be on the show today and uh I'm going to go through and analyze their music and talk about it a little bit and then lean into something else that I've developed later in life, which is uh, some understanding of marketing and business and the music industry and how it works. So I'm both going to go through and give you my thoughts 
expose you to some new music that's really interesting and uh, do some analysis and, and, you know, talk about what's really interesting to me, which is how how music works, how music and business and people and industries work. I really am into that. So I'm going to we're going to do that. We're going to go through four songs today. I'm going Here's what we're, here's how we'll do it. Um, I want you to really go on this experience with me the same same as I did. So I'm going to play the track. I've elected to play the track in its entirety. So I'll play a song. It may be four minutes long. But what I want you to do is listen with your ears open, maybe even your eyes closed. I want you to hear what is in that recording. What do you hear? What comes out emotionally, lyrically, instrumentally, tonally, chord function-wise, rhythmically? What do you hear going on? That, that is below just the two-track output. Like the, there's the total sonic output of a song, which is just this is everything combined, summed together, and this is the way it makes me feel. But if you focus, you can start to pull out the elements and what went into it. And I want you to listen to it, get your impressions as I'm getting mine, and then after the track is over, we're going to talk about it some. I'll rewind a few clips here and there. And um, yeah, so this is going to expose you to some new music, and I hope you like it. If you don't, that's okay too. If I don't like it, I'll... Uh, that's okay too. I'll, I'll talk about it in, in that regard. And then we'll look at the bands themselves and plug who they are and what they're doing and give you a chance to see if there are bands you'd be interested in finding more out about. And I believe you will because this stuff is actually really good. I'm very surprised how good the bands are that uh, that that put in for this and wanted to do it. I was thinking at first that it was a silly idea and maybe it'd be a bunch of bad local bands, but that is not the case. Uh, some of the stuff is really is good, and I think these people are going to have futures. And I'm very excited to have a vehicle for independent bands out there hustling, trying new ideas to uh, expand their career and figure out how to make it work. And you've done a smart thing, I believe, by c- coming on this podcast and showcasing your band and trying something new. And that's really that's really what it takes. So if you're interested in having me do this for your band, all you got to do is email breakitdownpod at gmail.com, and we'll get back to you and tell you the specifics about it. All right, so like I said, the point of this episode is to uh, expose you to some more uh, analysis, really on the breaking it down uh, level that I like to do, and I believe that it will sharpen your listening, make you enjoy music a little bit more. If you are a musician, then I hope that some of these tools and ways of thinking could improve your own skills of uh, writing and arranging type of thing, maybe help your band. I'm certain that it's going to help these bands that have come on and are going to be part of the show in both that they'll get exposure, which is the main part of it. And then, you know, maybe there's some stuff I say that will give them some insight going forward, whether it be business or musically, but that's not to say that they need any help. Some of the stuff is just good on its own. So in that case, I'm just going to, uh, you know, tell, say, give my thoughts on it and pull out the stuff that I find interesting and compelling and, and share it with you. Okay, so first band here. This band is called Johnny Holland, the artist, I should say. Johnny Holland. So here's the best thing you could do right now is go navigate to his website right now while you're listening and absorbing this track. So johnnyholland.bandcamp.com. J-O-N-N-Y-H-O-L-L-A-N-D.bandcamp.com. Dot com. All right, so check it out. This song is called Dichotomous Gray. We're going to listen to the entire thing. Sit there and absorb it with me. Here we go.
Oh my gosh, isn't that amazing? This is so cool. I'm very excited about this because, man, I really actually have some people to talk to about the kind of shit I really like. So, uh, and I, you know what else is interesting? I know that you guys are into the same kind of stuff as me. And what's more is Johnny Holland here. I can tell he's on the same page as me. He is the kind of guy who's an arranger and a constructor of music and really puts a lot of thought into um, the elements, the functions, and the really it's the pragmatic approach. I talked to Steve Cabucci recently on an earlier episode. It's the same way. Uh, I think Johnny is one of those guys who is thinking about the chords, their function, the notes that go on top of it. He has them labeled clearly in his head, and the stuff that I'm going to tell, say about this music, he's going to understand what I'm talking about, I believe. I could be wrong about that, but I don't think so. So I think we have a musical architect here in uh, Johnny Holland. So what I notice right off the bat, the, the first thing that I hear when I'm listening to music is I want to know what is the chord function. And in this particular song, the chord function is, uh, and this is the way I analyze it, there's more more than one way to do it, but I hear it in a major key, uh, it, or I, at least I analyze it in the major key of, I'm going to say, C major. And also I had to a note for anybody who's really nerdy and paying attention or playing along that it's transposed down. So it's technically in the key of B major, but it's really in the key of C and I think he's playing on transposed uh, piano. But, um, okay. So the chord progression there is four, two, six. That's those piano chords that you hear right at the beginning. Uh, so that's an F chord, a D chord and an A chord. So it's a F major, and technically it's an F major 7. He's put the 7th voicing on that chord. And then it's a D minor chord. And then the last chord is an A minor chord with the 9 added to the top of that chord. And then uh, what's really interesting about that to me is he resolves it sometimes. So it's kind of ambiguous as to whether that 9 is part of the chord or some something that he feels is... Uh, Suspended. So let me let me show what I mean. I've got my guitar close by, so I'll play the notes here, and you can hear them. And I, I'll play some clips from it again too. But here's the chords as I interpret them, as the way I hear them. Here, here it comes on guitar. So the first chord is F major seven. The second chord is a uh, plain D minor, and then the last chord is a uh, A minor with this nine on it. And that note I'm wiggling there—that's the nine. Because the real, the real third of the chord sounds like this. But that's a little bit too stable for me, and it's a little bit too stable for Johnny. So we put that tension in there where we make this note, the 9, which in this case is a B natural. It really makes you feel something on there. And the question is, do you want it to resolve and go... Like he does sometimes? Or do you act, can you actually listen to this chord and make it... And actually just sit with it and say... That's a finished chord. And that's the interesting thing about how you color uh, chords with what, what tones you use on top of them. So every chord is a, a triad, like a one, three, and the five. And then you add a major seven, a nine, uh, a sharp four. Do you, do you build a big, you know, there's lots of ways you can build chords. But here, here's the chords that I hear. F major seven, which is the, there's the melody right there. And walks down. And then here's what really gets you is... So, very cool. Uh, I think that's super wise. And 
Johnny's confident about it too because he doesn't change the chord progression until till kind of very at the end he adds one more little chord for color but he doesn't change the chord progression he is confident that your ear will just you know based on the presentation and the makeup and the way that feels that that he's going to be able to decorate that with all, all the other layers and elements that that he does there and keep your interest and he does a really good job with that too but for sure kudos to the chords themselves and the functions they're, they're very calculated i don't believe that he arrived at them willy-nilly because how confident do you have to be to come up with three simple essentially diatonic mean meaning belonging to the scale chords and just be able to ride them out for your whole song that's that's kind of hard to do people tend to want to you know invent a bunch more stuff but the chords themselves are not magic i mean you can imagine somebody trying to compose those chords and doing a poor job with it imagine somebody grabbed an acoustic guitar and they're like dude i wrote this killer song it's instrumental and it goes like this That's all the chords are. And you can play that on the guitar. The, the, the fundamental chords are F major, D minor, A minor. So, you know, to just come up with the chords alone ain't nothing. Although I think they're clever. And then it's how you decorate them. It's how you arrange them. It's the notes you put on them. And then the way you develop those textures like Johnny did that make it really interesting. So uh, maybe you didn't see this coming as an instrumental song, but wow. To be able to hold somebody's attention with an instrumental song, very neat. Congratulations. Good work on this. Um, the challenge with instrumental music is... Uh, it's that you have to get somebody in the zone to pay attention to it because you don't have the lyrics. So it's it's. I think instrumental music is is very popular and common. I think people like to hear this kind of thing on Spotify playlists for studying or put it on in the background. But it's very very hard to market. So Johnny, I think you've done a smart thing having it be on the show here because it forces people in long form to listen to it. That's the biggest challenge with instrumental music is getting people to give it a chance. Most likely, if you can compose a song that can hold somebody's you know, interest for several minutes with no words or lyrics, you've really done something. But nonetheless, it's a challenge because how do you market a, a song clip or, a, you know, there's there's really, it's a, you really have to get it in front of people or have them consume it in a passive way or on a soundtrack or that kind of thing for, for instrumental music to really work. Uh, we're working with an artist, lowercase noise is much the same way. So the challenge is how do you get him known not as background music, but somebody to focus on or buy the album or, how you know, how do you get it? So Explosions in the Sky, for instance, got known. They were on some soundtracks, Friday Night Lights, the movie, and things like that. And then people began to give them a name, understand who they were, and then really like their music. So, you know, you, you do have some work to do here, Johnny, with the... Um, building this thing up. So I looked at your Facebook page. I'm going to give you some more thought. Oh, sorry. I got one more musical note here that I saw, that I wrote down when I was listening that time. And that is, uh, Johnny does one other music theory, uh, geeky, dorky thing kind of that you might have to be a music nerd to, to recognize or know is in your bag of tricks. But he, at some point, resolves that last A minor chord as an A major chord. And in music theory, that's known as a Picardy third. And it's unclear where that title comes from but it's from the you know romantic period uh, it's like a french thing uh in classical you know evolved to romantic renaissance music that they do that so let me show you what that sounds like it goes it's when you go the and you've been built up this the whole time where you're hearing that as a minor chord and then 
Johnny does this. Sorry, I played that bad. It's hard upon the neck that I'm playing. I don't have a cutaway, so it's hard for me to reach that. Sorry, here we go. And then Johnny goes major. So that's a really, really nice surprise and a really nice touch. Adds a lot of color instead of just the dark minor scape the whole time. So congrats on that. But what was I saying? Okay, so here's what I've got for you, Johnny, that I want you to consider and think about here. On your band camp, you have all this music. It looks great. And I go to your Facebook, and I try to read some of your descriptions and stuff like that. Um, let me see if I can say this the right way. I feel like your outward presentation could be a little bit more mysterious. Um, I think it could have a little less pictures of you or your name, and I think it could be presented a little bit more uh abstract and mysterious and then you go on and this is, this is a little bit nitpicky here and i and hypocritical of me to say but you even have a section in the facebook part in your facebook about that talks about god and god's giving you all these tools and uh you do it for him and that kind of thing and i think that's maybe for instrumental music to me i don't really think i want to know that much about the artist i kind of don't I, I i actually like it to be a little more mysterious so you can take that for for what it is um for me instrumental music is marketed better and feels better when it that when there's an air of mystery there and very little words about who the artist is and why he does what he does and the and pictures of of the artist himself it, it's it's more cool to focus on gear or colors and shapes or art. The other thing I notice is uh, you say very clearly on your Bandcamp and Facebook that you do everything from the art to all the music to the composing, you're recording an in engineer, you're an arranger, and all that is amazing and great, and it's unbelievable that you have as much skill to do it, and especially art and visual, because I certainly don't have that. Um, so I admire that, but at the same time, I'm, a, I'm curious. I wonder if there's a reason behind that. I wonder, do you not collaborate with others? Do you not like to? And honestly, I wonder what the if you could learn that skill of collaboration. Because engineering is a skill, for sure. Producing, writing, all those things, for sure, are skills. But so is collaborating. So I would, I am a little bit curious if you could work on your skill of collaboration. And then, what are the possibilities here? Because... I love what you're doing. I think it's great. I'm four instrumental artists making soundscapes. I imagine you do publishing and make some money uh, that way, and you probably are, are getting started on a career. Uh, and good luck to you. You don't have a ton of, it looks like, social media traffic or anything, so I'd ask everybody to go like his Facebook page and start paying attention. Uh, I wonder if you could collaborate with people, and I wonder how you could perform live. That's my big question when it comes to instrumental music and this kind of stuff. No doubt about it, it's cool, it's catchy, it's enjoyable to listen to. Could you create an experience for people other than a wave file that you could download? Could you make this a show? Would you use projection art on, on stage? Could you open for a rock band? Could you pull that off? Uh, could, could you collaborate with other people? That's what I'd be really interested to see, and I think those would be some areas to explore if you want to uh, make this your full full career as an artist. I'm not saying you don't make other money in composing and music and engineering. I'm sure you do. Um, but if you wanted to take this thing to the next level and be an artist, uh, those are the kinds of questions and things that I'd want to explore. But for sure, kudos on the uh, on the track there. I think everybody, I hope everybody enjoyed that one. I re really did. 
I really did very much. Uh, okay, so that's what I've got there for Johnny Holland. So let me give the the stuff again on that. It's johnnyholland.bandcamp.com. He's got a ton of music. Buy some of it. Send him a note. Find out who he is. Find out, I don't have his Facebook and Twitter uh, uh, addresses here, but find him. Tell him what you think about his music and that you heard it here. That song is called Dichotomous Gray, and it's Johnny and it's Johnny Holland. All right. Very good. Next up is a band called Sink In. All right. So Sink In's website, if you want to navigate to it as we listen to the track here, is sinkinband.com. Just like it sounds. Sinkinband.com. So go there. The song that we're going to listen to now is called Wither. So let's do it. Let's check it out.
Okay, Sink In. This band is called Sink In. Their website is sinkinband.com. Lot of stuff here. Now, when I say a lot of stuff, I literally mean this band did a shitload of stuff in this song. I think that's for sure the theme of Sink In is uh, um, I feel like they use every trick in the book and just in this one song, so I can't imagine what's in all their other ones. Uh, and it's really cool. I think they did a good job. I'll tell you what else I noticed about them. They're on the road. They're working hard on their social media and their music videos, all that stuff. So it looks to me like in November and January, they've already got tour dates booked here. And they're going to be in the Midwest. They've been around. There's a picture on their Facebook page of them at uh, right in front of Mount Rushmore, which is an iconic thing. And it's a very cool thing. And most bands, I don't know about most bands, but... You know, a lot of bands have had that same moment. We've been driving through South Dakota, and we went to the, to the Black Hills and went to Mount Rushmore just as a rite of passage. If you're driving through, you go off the road. takes a little while to get there, and you get that picture. The only thing different that happened with me at the Mount Rushmore is the day that Emory went. Uh, it was cloudy, and it was foggy, and so we didn't get – it was just a picture of us standing – in the fog. Anyway, this band got the actual shot. They really were there. And that means that they're out there, they're hustling, they're doing great. Now, again, hustle is exactly what's going on with this band because it is busy and they use every trick they could think of. So I'm, I'm going to say that in, in, I don't know if I think it's negative or not exactly, but they've done a lot in the song and I think maybe too much. I think even a simpler version of the song would, could be, um, better or maybe i'm just saying that you don't have to do every single thing you can think of in one song but let me give you an idea what i'm talking about i'm also going to start with one other criticism here although i like the song in the band the other criticism i have is and it will listen to it here again i'll roll it see if i can i'm trying to figure out how to do this by the way without a ton of editing so i'm gonna try and roll the song with her and talk over it let's see if i can do it all right so here we are in the intro um, so this is what I call a uh, clean intro. So they've gone through the chord progression twice. Then it came in big. So the fully dressed uh, version of the chord progression with some busyness there. And now they're playing what I would consider the verse of the song. And it goes this far. And then again, they're going to repeat that again. So I'm going to call that a triple intro. So there we go. That's where the vocals come in at 31 seconds. So there's three different things that happen. I'll play it again and talk here. Three different things I had to digest before I heard vocals. So right there, I would want to hear vocals personally. And that's a common thing in production where you, t you know, people don't get to the vocals fast enough or they do musical repeats fast enough. But if I was the producer on this track, I would have suggested go right into vocals. Now, certainly you'd want to hear vocals by this point, but no, we're still we're still doing some musical stuff. And even right there would have been a great place for the vocals to enter, but we're going to repeat it one more time, causing us to have to listen 30 seconds before we really hear what your character's like and, and you know, really hear what the band is about. Um, it, took, it took 30 seconds, which is a little bit too long for me, although I'm into people doing whatever they want to artistically, uh, and I'm going to give them some props for... for not following all the rules here and doing things different. So it's not that you have to be formulaic and, a, and the vocal needs to come in by this point or that, but it, but sometimes it's obvious when something is redundant or if, a, if your sister or your mom could be ready for the vocals to come in 
or if anybody in the world could possibly be getting bored um, on something that repeats. And that, Ed Rose did that for us a ton on the week's end. He was like, you know this part where you do it four times? Two times. You know that part where you do it two times? One time. And I, and he was right in almost every case. And so that's that's one thing I would I would suggest to you guys. Um, also, it's a ton of ornamentation and little fills and licks and noodly stuff all over the place. And I really like it. I love that stuff. Again, that's the kind of people that are my kindred spirits, the people that like to get all these little things in there. And I'm the same way on the week's end and a a bunch of our stuff. We spent forever just trying to fill in every little gap with something neat. And I don't think that's necessarily out of place. It can be the stylistic uh, quality of a band. But nonetheless, it does add to more stuff to digest for for this in this song wither by sink in um okay next uh next thing i notice is another ornamental decision and it's uh gang vocals another common device and a very cool one I, I like gang vocals and i think a lot of people do here's how they used it here All right, and so, you know, gang vocals like that are great. They bring energy to the song uh, and uh, just, you know, makes it feel like it's a, it's a gang. It's almost a relatable thing. Uh, it's another thing they've used here to, to animate uh, the track, get it out there. Uh, it, it's only used once in the song in that way, so it sticks out a little bit to me as just yet another device used. Uh, and then they roll it through there and do another chorus part there, a repeat of something, and then... My favorite part of the song uh, happens next. And here it is. My favorite part of this song. That's very cool. That in itself is super cool for several reasons to me. Uh, reason number one, it's uh, it's different. So they just took a left turn in the middle of the song here, changed the way it feels, and it's like it, you feel like it's going to be a bridge, but it actually turns out to be the new direction of the song, and that's kind of unexpected to me and a relief. Also, I love those ahs and oohs that they do there. It's uh, harmonically really rich. They use some really neat notes in there. Uh, and although it is an, yet another device of multiple vocals or, or something like that one, that one to me is is the coolest, totally coolest thing in the song. And they, they keep on going. They, they do that for a while. And uh, then they go, then then the, ne- the next thing is, is yet another device. The next one is they do a double vocal kind of thing where the vocal keeps on going and then there's another one that layers over it and that goes for a little bit, which is cool. That can be interesting. And... So there's the double vocal there and then... They go to what I call uh, I call this ra- I call this radio voice. Uh, it's like a lo-fi version of a you know down part. So that's another kind of a classic production thing, and it has a nice effect. It, it makes you feel like it's small there for a little bit, and it almost gives you the sense that it's about to to, to do something big again like it's often used to bring it down low and and then it erupts back big and they use it in a kind of an interesting way because they just let the song go away so they never bring back the full vocal they just use that um 
heavily tuned radio voice vocal and the song kind of fades out which is pretty interesting touch but again the thing that obviously sticks out to me there is production and production value and kudos to you for it i think the track is great you guys are doing a good job you're working super hard and i think you're succeeding so that's great i hope people like your music and are into it and will come see you on tour um the thing that this tips to me that i may be showing just my personal bias is i am becoming less and less a fan of production or overproduction or highly produced things over time um and that's just where I'm at personally, and I think maybe a trend. It's, it's just that uh, everybody knows you can record pretty cheaply or, or affordably and make things sound good and do effects and, and use all the devices. And it's something is uh, to hear something a little bit more raw is more attractive to me at this time. And that may be a pendulum swing. I like to keep it dry and, and bare and dull and make it about the song. And I, I would challenge you guys keep working on your songs and see if you can make them transcend the production as opposed to have the production itself be the thing that you're uh, want to impress people with. Uh, and maybe that's a cliche way of, of me to look at it, but that's, that's what I'm getting from here. But good luck to you guys. I'm very, uh, I'm glad to have you on, on the show. I think your music is very good and I hope people will check it out and enjoy it. So again, that band is called sync in and you can go to sinkinband.com. That was their track wither. The next band we're going to talk about now is called surviving the era surviving the era.com go there right now check out their website see what they've got going on they've got shows they're from the sacramento area they're playing sacramento stockton san francisco they've got some really good music here and let's just uh, let's listen to a track called here in the dark and talk about it
Okay, now I'm mad. Now I'm a real mad, guys. I'm very ang- very agitated here. This is a the song is called Here in the Dark and the band is called Surviving the Era. So check that out, survivingtheera.com. Now here's why I'm mad. I'm mad because I hear this band's influences and I don't think Emory is one of them. So thanks a lot, guys. Let me tell you what I hear here just right just to be just to be honest off the top, I think the influences are kind of uh, clear, and that's not a bad thing because there's bands you you like, and it seems to me like you like uh, Brand New, Silverstein, Amberlynn, and somebody in the band likes Under Oath, I think. That's what I hear when I hear this band. Not that it sounds just like that, and don't even take that as a criticism. Uh, I'm just teasing about being angry. I just I don't really hear any Emory influence there um, for the bands that are similar to us. But the here's here is what's interesting about influences is sometimes if they're too narrow, they're obvious. And I could be way off on this. I, re- I really could. But if you listen back, I don't think I'm that far off. Um, one of my favorite bands of all time is Silverchair. Now, Silverchair's lead singer, Daniel Johns, swears that all he ever did was sing like Eddie Vedder and copy Eddie Vedder and try to sound just like him. And that's how he learned to sing. And that's who he was. And that's what it that's all he was trying to do. And it still came out a pretty good bit different there. And then um, on his first album, it kind of sounded like that. And then over time, he became his own singer. And he's a thousand times better singer than than Eddie Vedder. And let me tell you what you guys have great here. You guys have a very good singer. I like the singer of this band a lot. He's got a great voice. The lyrics are cool. Um, and I'm not even saying I got all the lyrics or understand everything he was saying. But just on a couple of listens, there's a lot of catchy lines. I think the title of the song is catchy i think there's tons of times where i'm just you know kind of hooked on a lyric or a line here or there it's relatable maybe that's a word for it i can identify with the singer Uh, i don't have a ton of thoughts on his technique or exactly what he's doing but i know that it pops off of the track and that is awesome the track is cool the guitar works neat the textures are very good but the singing pops out of this track and that's something that has to have its own life it's it's kind of an intangible when they talk about you know, intangibles with a quarterback. Lead singers are the same way. They there's certain singers that you know have the ability to transcend the track and not just be more coloration and words and lyrics. Uh, and I, so I think this band is good and headed in the right direction, uh, both. And I'm I'm kind of excited to see where they turn out farther down the road uh, when they can explore and find their own sound even more than than, than they have. Because uh, I do hear it a little bit locked into the genre of modern rock. Uh, everything here is modern rock. It's full. It's optimized. Uh, and so this kind of goes into the same thing I'm saying about things being produced. And I don't want to use the word overproduced for everybody because, like again, my tastes are to be underproduced at this time. But... <laughs> The approach here is to make everything loud and full and impactful, and I just think we may have hit a little bit of a wall there. But I think there's a, I think that really good bands who are writing good songs and have good singers, there's probably more room for them to do 
interesting stuff beyond the full loud impact epic uh aggressive optimized type of, of of vibe so that's what i would be interested to see more of the other kind of scapes and textures and odd things that the band could do the song's also is formatted like a single it's very uh the chorus comes in three times they go up tempo of the in the last chorus uh and do that and and that's great but i have another theory if anybody's interested and maybe you are maybe you're not i don't think we need singles anymore and emory's always been one for doing unconventional forms of songs and I still, I'm still a big fan of that. I don't ever feel great personally repeating the third chorus. I know it's appropriate in some songs and some bands and tons of genres and tons of songs I like that way, but I'm never that comfortable as a songwriter arranger putting the last chorus on uh, or feeling like I have to fit in a three-and-a-half-minute radio format uh, kind of thing. And so I'm interested when bands do the stuff that breaks the mold and fit no thing because we don't we're not listening to the radio anymore. We're just listening to Spotify. We're just streaming a song, so it really could be anything. Um, one other note on form there is this song also takes 27 seconds to get into the first vocal, so I think that's a little bit long. Uh, let me see if I can play it here. Let's listen to the intro again and see. Do we think that the vocals could have could have come in sooner? Right there, right there is where I think the vocals should come in at at the latest, honestly. It's as simple as a chop. I mean, you could do it in mixing or mastering. You could just chop out one of the times, and I think it would um, I think it'd get you there faster. And then there we are into the song. So, yeah, I, I, that's, that's my opinion there for what it's worth. I think it's a common producer uh, opinion, but it, is, it would be mine in this case, especially since the song is so radio formatted anyway. Certainly no reason to, to repeat that part there. Um, and again, once the vocals come in, I'm feeling great. I really, really like them. So uh, there's another vocal thing here that's quite interesting. Out of the blue in this song, and I like Out of the Blue, so I'm not knocking it. Let's, let's check this out, but we're cruising along in the song here. And uh, we've done the second chorus, and then we get a scream. <laughs> so we get a scream to lead us into the guitar solo, and it's just a, a, it's unattached to anything, and I don't even think there's a lyric on it. And I think the lyric, uh, maybe there is a lyric, the lyric would just be, wah, and then the guitar solo starts, um, or whatever that is in the bridge there, or whatever you guys are calling that. I kind of like the scream. It kind of fits the aggression of the song and everything, but it's just it's just a one-off there. So it leaves me hanging a little bit. And then something really neat happens uh, in the song next. And I don't I don't know how to describe what I'm hearing here, but it's it my it's the most interesting part of the song to me. Listen to this. That is weird. And it's weird, and I like weird, but that is weird to me. So uh, let me play it again and see if I can articulate what is weird about it. Why 
So it's a pretty high produced feeling thing. Like here we go. The guitar's clean and perfect with this delay on it. We're building up here. The guy's riding on the drummer's riding on his cymbal, and we're about to go back into something really big. And and he lets you know that because he starts swelling the cymbal, and it, and it's a manual cymbal swell. You can hear the guy doing it himself, and then it cuts, and then there's that little tick on the hi hat. It's just really weird, and it makes it feel kind of alive to me. And I don't. It almost feels like a mistake or or something to me, but it's really neat. Listen to it. Crazy, right? I mean, it's just you. You would think there's a big snare, probably. You know, you'd think it'd be something huge there. It's just this really timid little hi-hat click and i don't think it was a mistake but either way the fact that i'm guessing about it is actually something i love i love it when you're not sure if something is good or bad or what is that so it's it's a character piece in this song to me i know it's very trivial but it's something kind of interesting it's something alive about this recording that I also like so great work on this guys the song is called again here in the dark and this band is called Surviving the Era. So Surviving the Era, good job, guys. Thank you for being part of the Break It Down podcast. If you like the music, again, send them a message. Tell them what's up. Go see them. Sacramento band, Surviving the Era. Thank you. All right, last one today. Let me tell you about this one. Um, what does this mean? The song, there's some interesting titles. Let me tell you that. The song I'm going to play you next is called Kid Rock. That's not the artist. It's the song. Okay. Interesting. Now, how about the band name? The band name is Corner Gospel Explosion. So, what what are you thinking this is? I mean, what could that be? What what in the world could Corner Gospel Explosion be and have a song named Kid Rock? Got me guessing already. Um, are they serious? Are they a joke? Are they a Christian band? Are they a gospel band? Do they like Kid Rock? I don't know. So all we can do here is listen to the track. And let me tell you where to go while we listen to the track. Go to their amazingly named website, cogoexplo.com. So as in Corner Gospel Explosion. Uh, and another fun, funny thing about this band, cogoexplo.com. Corner Gospel Explosion. The track's called Kid Rock.
Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. Is that what you guys were expecting? Do you guys get a kick out of that as much as I did? <laughs> this is great. I love this band. I think this really is good. I, and I'm trying to be neutral on this stuff and not be overly critical or overly hypey because people have paid me money to break down their song and talk about it and think about it. This shit is great. Good job guys now this is a band called corner gospel explosion that song is called kid rock i got a lot of good stuff to say about it let me start with what i can see negative which is this band isn't big they're not they haven't blown up yet they don't have any shows listed on their website 854 people like their facebook page and i don't really get that uh, i don't know if they're new i don't know where they're going but i think this is pretty kick-ass so i'll tell you what go like their facebook page and we'll prove that you guys like it and we have a good audience here let's see if we can give them some more facebook lights and people pay attention to them this is corner gospel explosion this track is so cool let me tell you why first of all distorted bass now people a lot of people use distorted bass in their music it's a very very common thing that people will say oh dude i I love distorted bass but here here's the thing most of the time in a recording you can't hear distorted bass because there's a million distorted guitars and super optimized drums and everything is super loud and everything is crazy and so there's no room for distorted bass so listen what listen to what these guys do though they leave some room for it here That's cool. That's very awesome. So all you got there is a little keyboard and then a two notes at a time on the bass. So you're hearing a bass chord and there's no guitar. Uh, that's that's great. Good work on that. The, uh, the vocals are really vulnerable. I really like that. Um, there's just so much space. What these guys have done is uh, leave a bunch of room so that the, the, the devices and the tracks and the stuff they're doing, like fuzz and two notes on the bass and uh, vocals that are medium, they're not super aggressive. They're, they're vulnerable right in that mid-space. They've left that open so that you can hear it. Uh, this band is very stylized. They have their own quirkiness to them. So you can see that, and it's consistent throughout their brand from their name. Um, their picture of them on their website is kind of goofy. They're sitting there, they're holding keyboards. They look like ex-dorky youth group guys, but they're owning it. Like, I mean, I'm not, I don't even mean that derogatory. They're just, they're owning this quirky, youthful, uh, fun, uh, self-aware thing. And I think it's, it's really great. They've, the music is stylized. Everything about it is, um, the guitar, the guitar is kind of a de-emphasized instrument. There's not this wall of double guitars and distortion. I love that. Um, there's a drum fill that I really thought was sick too, or, uh, what should I say? Filthy is what you could describe this drum fill as. Let's see if I can find it here. Um, Again, I'm trying to make these episodes as qu- with the least editing as I can, so I'm trying to play these and trigger it in real time. So bear with me. Here we go. See if this drum feels here that I like. That is nice. I'm going to play that again. That is that is my kind of drum feel. It leaves you... My favorite drum feels are the ones where you it ended before you thought, and then there's empty space. So where you leave somebody hanging on a drum fill as opposed to play a million sixteenth notes or triplets until the downbeat. They left space even in that drum fill, and it is is sharp. Check it out again. Empty. 
that is awesome. So now that I hear it again, I'll analyze what that drum fill is. He does a, a triplet thing on the snare, which makes it really uncomfortable for a second, builds tension. And then he ends the drum fill with a left foot hi-hat just click, clamp, which is basically the weakest sound a drum uh, set can make. It's just a that's all it is. That's awesome. It it and then when the downbeat comes in, it feels so good. One more time. Oh man, that is good stuff. That is awesome. So um, there's plenty of uh, it's this funky. I mean, like I said, it's a stylized thing. It's funky. I don't know if it's like uptown funk, but something. I mean, that that those 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 words and that song popped in my head for some reason. Um, this is original. It's unique. And uh, it's it's been re- it's really nice to my ears to hear this. So congratulations and good work on this on this track. And I'm not trying to have my favorite or rave about it, but it's a, it really is. It's refreshing for me to listen to, and I can't I can't believe that I've got uh, music like this that people that want to pay to be on my show to get exposure. And again, I'm going to encourage you guys to check out these bands. I know that one of them, some of them, or all of them you've heard today, uh, you've liked. This song is called Kid Rock, and it is from the band Corner Gospel Explosion. Once again, their website is my, my favorite URL, kogoexplo.com. So go check them out. Let's get this band going. Let's get them big. Let's make them a real band because I think they've I think they've got a long way to go and I think they'll get there if they hang in with it. But I tell you what, they're having fun with their music. So if you're a hobby band, if you're a new band, if you're an aspiring band, have fun. Make it neat. Make it something that you can enjoy, even if you have just a couple hundred Facebook followers. That's okay. If you like it, you can grow it. You will learn your skills. Pay attention to stuff. Learn from people. Don't pretend that you've arrived already just because you have a demo or you have a recording or you spent some money or some time on it. Stay open. Stay humble. Keep learning. There's so many bands that I've seen that are not good at all, and then they became great. Now, what we've had on the show today, again, massively impressed. Great stuff. I hope you guys have enjoyed the band uh, breakdown episode. And again, if you'd like to have your band featured on here, have what hear what I maybe would say about it, but mainly just get it in front of people that are interested in hearing this kind of thing. Uh, especially you tech people. I think people are enjoying this. So email me or us at breakitdownpod, breakitdownpod at gmail.com, and we'll give you some details. And we'll do another one of these in, I don't know, we'll do one a month or two a month, depending on how many bands we have that want to do it. Thank you, all the bands today. Uh, again, I'll, re- I'll recap them last time for you. JohnnyHolland.Bandcamp.com was the first one. Uh, SinkInBand.com was the second one. Surviving the Era was the third band. And then Corner Gospel Explosion was the last band. Thank you, guys. Um, I'll tell you what. I'm sitting here with my guitar still, so why don't I play us out of here? Go to my website, BreakItDownPod.com. Support the show by shopping on Amazon. You know... Hit me up, send me a message, share this show with a friend. The thing's doing really good. I'm having a great time. Uh, you know, what's that lick? I'll play the lick. What do I do at the end? Okay, uh, here we go. Uh, here's the end of that. The theme song goes. Right? And then I got the lick. Uh, yeah!
Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and, in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Ever heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s and not Stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it.